Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, my name is Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And we have another returning guest who appeared back in December 2020, so just over two years ago. Uh, that was episode 110. Michael Moore is the Managing Director of Golden State Mining, who are an ASX-listed exploration company based in Perth. Um, and they've acquired a number of um, gold and base metal um, assets around Western Australia, who and looking obviously to develop them in the near future. Uh, Michael's a mine engineer by background uh, with an extensive um, experience within um, the Western Australian market. Um, and he's also the um, director of the Campbell Score Mines um, here, obviously, in the UK. Um, so we're going to get an update on Golden State Mining. Uh, also, talk about um, lithium, the WA market, graduates. And much more. So that's welcome, Michael, to the podcast. How are you doing, Michael? Great, Rob. Can't believe it. it's actually been two years since the last appearance, but thanks for having me back. Always good to have a NASA. Yeah, yeah. No, t- two years have, have flown past, and obviously a lot of things have happened uh, in between then. Um, so for those that didn't listen uh, to that episode back in December 2020, I, I appreciate if you can. Obviously, after listening to this, go back and and listen to that episode also. But for those that are listening for the listening to you for the first time, just wonder if you can just give us a a, a career snapshot, an overview of yourself. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Uh, I guess my my initial interest in mining was sparked by the fact that um, my family's been digging holes in the ground for over a hundred years, and we've obviously um, had a few generations attend the Campbell School of Mines. And um, although I'm not sure how we're going to go uh, with my offspring with retur- with respect to uh, mining the course, the mining course there, but we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but no, I graduated with a mining degree in 99 and came here to Australia as a backpacker, but obviously hoping to secure full-time employment and kickstart my career down here. And that's effectively what happened, started in uh, contracting, drilling, contracting, and uh, over the years, had a sort of bit of time in the junior sector with a bit of project management, uh, particularly with a Gambian mineral sands project there in West Africa. And then I went back to contracting again um, and had a good five years uh, in the back end of the 2000s in contracting, but then realised that actually the area that I liked the most was the junior mining stroke exploration sector and that opportunity to you know, put something together, uh, put projects together, and then raise the money uh, and then list something on uh, on the stock exchange. And I guess it probably took me about 10 years to work out that that's probably what I really wanted to do. And that time, and that time afforded me the opportunity to make some good connections, uh, understand how the market worked, uh, all the key ingredients that you need when you're putting together a float, uh, you know, you need the brokers, you need the projects, you need the people, um, you need those expertise, the key technical expertise. So it probably took me about 12 or 15 years to put that all together. And and funny enough, it's not something that they teach you at Campbell. And uh, since then, I've actually put together a presentation on all the key constituents and the ingredients. Um, a bit of a sort of idiot's guide to it. Um, and um, you know, I can deliver that in an hour, but it took me 15 years to work it out, unfortunately. But um, at the in 2015, uh, I finished up as uh, CEO of another junior explorer. And that was the opportunity for me to then go and start something for myself. And I, as I said, I've made a number of really good connections over the years with some excellent people who... I always thought if I decided to take the plunge would be able to contribute significantly to that. And it was really, it was just about finding that first project, the first uh, 
uh, element to spark that journey. And, uh, and we did that probably back in late 2016, early 2017, and then ultimately packaged up another couple of projects and then listed uh, November 2018. And that was a really, I think I've said before, it was a pretty rotten time in the market. Uh, it was really hard. We had to drag this IPO kicking and screaming across the line. Um, unlike the current time, the past couple of years, it's been very, very easy to get things listed because there has been demand in the market. The investors have been clamoring and were desperately interested in new opportunities, particularly around those battery metals here in Western Australia. So we've we've had we've seen a, a massive flood of IPOs since 2018. But I think the good thing about doing it in the hard times was that we did end up with some fairly committed shareholders. And uh, you know, over the past four years, they've been very, very supportive. And we've been able to raise money on three occasions since then to to further the work that we've been doing here in Western Australia. And I think that, you know, WA is probably the best place to be exploring in the world. I, I, I can't imagine wanting to do it anywhere else, just in terms of uh, the expertise that are here, you know, the, the geological endowment that we have here in Western Australia. And we, we've hardly really scratched the surface here in terms of, uh, you know, mineral exploration. And there's a great future for minerals exploration here in WA. And we've got a fairly sophisticated investor market here. They understand what a reasonable gold or grade intercept looks like. Um, they can be quite discerning at times. But then that, you know, that's just it's, you know, it's one of the bonuses of, of operating in this particular environment that we do have um, you know, brokers and shareholders and investors uh, that understand mining and exploration, the timeframes, the risks. They're probably sometimes they're not necessarily happy uh, with the risks and they're not necessarily happy when the share price is below what they paid for it. But generally they understand that it's um it's it's risk money. Um but you know you make a discovery as a clean company with a reasonable capital structure and the returns for shareholders can be quite substantial on occasion. So um I wondered if you can just give us an overview of uh, Golden State Mining as a company um, and also, I suppose, give us an update since we last spoke two years ago. Yeah, Rob, when we listed the company back in 2018, I guess we had a twofold approach. We were fairly committed to gold and also up in the Pilbara, our Yule project, um, that that had been originally picked up or it, it was picked up in the mid 2000s by a, um, a well-known prospecting geologist here in WA. And he particularly liked it for its, its tantalum um, prospectivity back then. And obviously you know, the Pilbara has become, you know, world renowned for its uh, lithium endowment. And there are a number of key companies operating in that part of the world. So when we listed um, the Yule project in the Pilbara wasn't first cab off the rank for us, um, but we did we did appreciate the fact that it had good gold, um, um, lithium, and base metals uh, um, prospectivity there. And obviously, subsequently, subsequent to that, you know, a couple of years ago, they, we had uh, Gray who made the massive uh, Hemi discovery. You know, millions and millions of ounces there. You know, I think their target is ultimately going to be 12 billion ounces. Um, you know, that's only 15 kilometers from us. So we knew there was gold prospectivity in that part of the world. And that was absolutely endorsed, you know, two years after IPO. But um, we focused on a couple of other, other projects initially, um, Q and at Payne's Find. But then in 2020, we were planning a drill program up at Yule. And that's when the, the Hemi discovery was made and the uh, so I guess our world was turned upside down. Our, we hadn't even done any work on the project and our share price ran um, significantly on the basis of absolutely no news, um, just uh, the neurology. Um, so the investors really did push the share price up quite uh, substantially during that period of time. Um, but at that, at that time, we were planning our exploration for Yule. And over the past two years, we've been doing systematic exploration. We've got 700 plus square kilometers up there. So it's a significant um, portion of ground. I 
I think after De Grey, we would be the most active explorer. We've done nearly 50,000 metres of drilling there. And uh, very happily, just before Christmas, at the end of October, you know, we announced to the market that we were actually going to name one of the prospects up at uh, up at Yule. And uh, we it's a, a lithium prospect, and we called it Nomad. And... We, we've got a lot more drilling to do there, but the early early drilling that we've done in terms of air core, and um, we had a uh, smallish RC campaign there uh, mid last year. Um, we have got you know a significant arsenic anomaly there, um, a lithium rubidium and cesium anomaly there. We've got some pretty significant cesium numbers, and one of the intercepts was uh, six meters at four hundred forty parts per million cesium. Now cesium is not a very mobile element. So the fact that we've got a number of that degree over that sort of width suggests that we are very, very close to a, you know, a, a pegmatite. And uh, we've got all the hallmarks and all the indicators. So really for this year, what we're doing is we're planning the next campaign, probably a fairly substantial RC campaign up at Nomad. And, you know, we've really only just scratched the surface in that in that part of the world. Uh, there's a bit of cover up there, so it hides the geology. So really what you've got to do is you've got to rely on your geophysics and you've just got to drill and you've just got to put as, as many holes into the ground as possible. But we were really, really buoyed by that announcement late, late last year. Um, we've got you know that signature of a lithium pegmatite system. What we've got to do now is just ratchet up that drilling and put more holes in the ground. And, you know, the Pilbara is is one of the significant places to be with respect to lithium exploration. And, you know, we're only half an hour, 40 minutes from the port of Port Hedland. Uh, you know, I think it's the biggest export port in the world by tonnage. Uh, most of that tonnage obviously is iron ore, but uh, significant amounts of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, lithium being exported as well as uh, manganese and other bits and pieces. So we're very well positioned uh, the we've got a we've got a blacktop highway uh, that runs through our tenement, which gives us great access. And we've started to build a little bit of infrastructure there. So we're well positioned. We like to wait for the wet season. It's coming into cyclone season there at the moment. Uh, but usually come the end of March, uh, the weather starts to cool a little bit. And, uh, and then that's when we start to get the rigs mobilized. So really, that's in terms of the, the major exploration commitment for 2023, uh, it will be in terms of drilling up in the Pilbara at the Nomad Lithium Prospect. But also about 18 months ago, we made an application and now granted for some ground around Payne's Find. So Payne's Find is about four hours north of Perth, I guess traditionally considered a bit of a gold area. But over the past four years, we've built up some excellent relationships with uh, some very, very good key industry consultants, uh, certainly in the field of lithium exploration. And what we decided to do in late 2021 was to deploy these skills and expertise on, on a hunt for uh, an area that had perhaps been um, ignored and had you know, obviously, if it if if it had, had previous exploration and drilling and and lithium numbers, it wouldn't have been vacant ground. So what we were looking for was big picture prospectivity for for lithium. You know, fertile granites, uh, the the right sort of structures, the right sort of regime, and the guys ultimately selected an area uh, to the north, east, and and south of Payne's Find, and we've got about twelve hundred square kilometers there. We've done some initial soil sampling late last year, and we're expecting those results sometime uh, mid-February. Um, but already, you know, we're pretty excited about that part of the world. Uh, we definitely think there's the right geology. We, there's been some good outcrop there that we've been uh, we've managed to get up there and and assess and map. So really, the company's focus since IPO has tightened around uh, gold and particularly lithium. And with respect to gold, uh, we've got a, still got a four-mile well project that's just north of Laverton. Uh, we've got one more round of drilling to go there. And certainly in the area that we consider to be the most prospective, 
ultimately, if it doesn't deliver, we will probably move that project on. But again, uh, late 2021, we picked up some ground uh, to the to the north and to the east of Southern Cross. And we, we believe we got a very greenstone unit there. Again, ground that hasn't been recognized as being potentially prospective for gold. And so we uh, are planning a soil campaign um, imminently for that particular part of the world. And hopefully we'll get those results back in March. So as I said, we're, we're tightening that focus around gold and lithium. So in terms of lithium, we've got Payne's Find and Yule, particularly the Nomad Prospect at Yule. And then in terms of gold, the priority will be uh, hopefully a, a round of drilling for my well in February, but then some significant work expected to be carried out on our Southern Cross project uh, throughout the rest of this, this year. So yeah, we've really focused on gold and lithium. And of course, you know, people generally understand gold uh, they understand what a good gold uh, intercept looks like. People are fairly well clued up, certainly in the Vesta market here. And, and obviously people are now understanding the importance of lithium in terms of batteries, in terms of decarbonisation of the economy. And certainly Western Australia has become a bit of a focus for investors uh, who are looking to get exposure to companies that are exploring and developing. Sounds like you had a had a busy uh, busy year last year, but ha- so how's the market been in general terms over the over the past year uh, for junior exploration companies within the the WA market? Yeah, look, the last two years have been pretty good. We've seen you know a hundred plus IPOs. Uh, there's been significant investor interest in new opportunities. Uh, I mean that does present a challenge. For companies like ours that have maybe been around for four years and doing the work, um, trying to differentiate ourselves from these new, shiny, uh, you know, brand new uh, IPOs. But um, what we've seen is significant investor interest. A lot of money has come into the market, um, but obviously that doesn't last forever. And I think we've just about had that run now of fresh new IPOs. There have been a couple early this year, uh, interestingly. And we will see one or two uh, rolling out over the next few months. But um, certainly late last year, the markets closed up. There was It was very difficult. A number of IPOs were pulled here late last year. People couldn't raise those funds. Um, some very, very good opportunities that couldn't get away just because the wallets closed back end of the year. You know, the brokers were... Brokers were done, and their clients were telling them that um, yeah, they were they were yeah, closing up, and that money wasn't available. And so the back end of last year was a bit it was a bit tough uh, market wise. There wasn't a lot of general investor interest. There wasn't there wasn't much interest in IPOs. New Year twenty twenty three. You know, gold's been doing quite well in the last uh, in the last few weeks, and so. The people I've been talking to over the last week or so, um, a little bit more optimistic about this early part of 2023, uh, certainly more optimism than they were considering at the back end of last year. So, you know, obviously a number of those IPOs that listed two years ago are going to be out back to the market looking for funds this year to support their exploration activities. And I think for companies that are well run, have a demonstrated track record of putting holes in the ground, committing you know, a significant amount of money to exploration activities rather than uh, overheads, then those companies will be rewarded and they will be able to raise money. Those that, you know, those with good projects, good management and, and a track record of uh, delivering exploration, those guys will get their funds. Uh, some other companies may well struggle, um, especially those that, you know, listed very, very easily uh, maybe they didn't have a, a, a really strong and supportive shareholder base just because the market was flush with people who who are interested in exposure to some of the junior mining stocks. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of good long-term shareholders who've been very supportive of our activities and our raises since IPO, and uh, that's uh, yeah, that's something quite important to have. Um, because when the chips are down and the market's really, really tight, but you've got work that you really want to do, um, those are the sorts of shareholders that come out of the woodwork and continue to support your work. As long as you can articulate that there's a genuinely legitimate 
opportunity there and you've and you've slowly demonstrated the fact that the projects that you have have pedigree and at every round of exploration you've enhanced the opportunity and you've moved that pro project forward technically then you know those funds will be there um you know people that maybe have had some you know poor exploration outcomes may well struggle this year and we may well see some consolidation uh, with respect to some of those companies looking to consolidate, uh, preserve cash. And it's certainly, Robert, certainly easier to get hold of drill rigs right now. You know, 12 months ago, it was almost impossible. It was almost impossible. But now, um, you know, companies are perhaps cutting back a little bit on their programs. And uh, it, what it means is that these rigs are freeing up. So it's great for us because we've got cash and uh, we've got programs that we want to undertake. So we do have access to this you know, this key equipment in order to uh, you know progress our projects um it seemed that into, uh, last year obviously a big big year for lithium and i know australia is one of the, the biggest lithium exporters um in the world um what's happening for golden state mining um at your two lithium projects yeah look you you you're spot on there it's you know we we simply as as an industry we're not we're not committing enough funds to lithium exploration in order to meet future demand we're, we're just not and and the biggest problem the biggest problem that the that the consumers and uh, of lithium are going to have um is getting enough of it and if unfortunately if we leave it to the capital markets to support lithium exploration, there simply won't be enough funds in order to be able to do the work that's required to explore significantly and then hopefully find these future deposits that are required. There, we will have a shortfall, there's no doubt about it. So these big industrial companies are going to have to find and pick and select good, small exploration companies that have good technical expertise and they've got prospective ground and they're going to have to support these businesses because you know the capital markets will not provide enough funding for greenfields exploration that's what we need we don't need brownfields exploration for lithium because we're simply not going to find enough we need people taking big risks we need people having big geological hypotheses with respect to where this where this lithium can be found and located and we need and these businesses need to back companies like ours um you know no bones about it they need to back businesses like ours that have got good quality ground in good areas with good technical expertise because you know i would like to spend 10 million on lithium exploration next year but the market will not provide me with 10 million or if it does it's massively dilutive to to my company in terms of the issuing of shares and the shareholders won't stand for it. Um, but the industry needs the lithium that we are going to find. And the better funded we are, the sooner we're going to find the quantities of lithium that are required. So it's something that we've been thinking about and something that we've been working on is approaching, you know, these industrial businesses and saying, hey, look, you know, I know we're early stage, but you guys need to back a few of these long shots um, because otherwise you are going to continue to miss out on those opportunities because there are so few opportunities, Rob, to secure um, lithium offtake. Um, and it's and it's already too late once somebody starts to pull out some good drill intercepts because you know, these businesses are going to be battling, you know, multiple businesses in order to, to try and secure um, and to fund um, a, bit, you know, a company that's genuinely establishing good quality drill intercepts and it looks like it's going to develop into a mine you know, th th there's a sort of free-for-all in those opportunities what they need to do is back companies like ours early stage you know provide us perhaps with you know provide us with the funding you know, we'd be happy to spend two and a half three million dollars this year on lithium exploration and i think we could get some really really great outcomes but the problem is the vagaries of the market you know at some point the investors are happy and they're happy to give you money the next moment the market's down um, you know, there might be some sort of global calamity and it's very, very hard to raise money and you don't raise sufficient amounts of money. So what we need to do with these critical minerals, and it isn't just about lithium, what we need to do is, for you know, 
But traditional um, commodities like gold, yeah, look, the market will support our exploration. You know, gold isn't necessarily a critical mineral, but things like lithium and the rare earths, we need to decouple ourselves from the markets because we won't generate enough funds in order to be able to do it, to undertake that really good quality exploration. But going back to our particular projects, obviously, you know, with Nomad, Yule in the Pilbara, we've got a legitimate target there. And so that's really exciting. I mean, from a patch of ground that didn't have a, really have a, a, a sensible drill hole in it, 700 square Ks in two years, we are now onto a legitimate target that has, you know, lithium LCT pegmatite hallmark and, and indicators. So that's great. So what we need to do is hit that hard this year. And then in order to keep that project flow going, you know, again, because of all the stuff that, that everybody knows about, any anything that's got a hint of, um, you know, exposed pegmatite has been picked up. Well, we thought, well, we want to we want to pick up district scale positions where we think we've got good lithium prospectivity, but areas where people haven't done the hard yards and done the geological technical work. It's all the low hanging fruit that's been picked up over the last couple of years and, and has been worked on. So that's why we ended up at Payne's Fine, because we got put really great technical expertise effectively in a dark room for a few weeks and said, don't come out until you've got a, a, a ridgy ditch uh, lithium um, target area. And that's that's where Payne's Fine came about. Um, you know, we had uh, a, a very well regarded lithium uh, expert geologist, uh, Dr. Marcus Sweetapple. Uh, Marcus has been working with us for nearly five years now, particularly like the Pilbara tenements um, that we had. Uh, he's been with us since pre-IPO. And uh, we've also got a great uh, geologist, geophysicist called Graham Hurd. We put Graham and Marcus effectively in the dark room for a few weeks and said, look, put your expertise together and come back to us with a, a, a an ignored lithium target area and that's pain's fine so yeah we had our first couple of field trips late last year we've undertaken a soil survey uh in uh december and we're hoping to see those results in uh, in february this year and hopefully we will advance that establish the fact that it's got you know the geological credentials um it's a it's a legit lithium exploration target area we've got to you know province footprint there 1200 square k's that I mean, that's massive so that and you we've effectively got 2000 square k's in wa of some really quality lithium exploration ground so we've really positioned ourselves well for those who are looking for early stage exposure to lithium exploration and obviously we're at the as i said we're at the early stages of that lithium exploration so the for the people that like that little bit of risk but also like the potential for the upside you know we're 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 well set i think and you know plenty of action coming our way in 2023 with uh, you know with rc drilling um hopefully we might even get a bit of diamond drilling up into our nomad prospect up at up in the pilbara and uh, and certainly we would expect to be doing some air core drilling as as a minimum post the soil sampling campaign up at Payne's Find, and we'll see how we go, but maybe even a little bit of RC at the back end of the year. So, yeah, well, well set, and certainly lithium. I can't, un, I can't overstate the fact that we will just not be doing an as as an industry. We won't be doing enough work in terms of lithium exploration. So, the the big industrials have got to come down, and they've got to support, and they they're supporting a lot of companies that have got good drill results. And, uh, and 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 the building resources, uh, but they need to go even further than that down that risk curve and start picking out juniors and supporting them early, so that they've got that established relationship, and so that should these companies ultimately develop a project, they've already got their foot on that offtake opportunity, and that's the key thing. It's getting hold of the offtake for these businesses. Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on to gold, obviously it's been a part. Uh, a major, a big part of obviously your exploration mix since your IPO. Um, what's the latest uh, from Four Mile Well um, and your new project at Southern Cross? Yeah, look, the one thing about IP, IPOing in in Australia is that people are well versed with with respect to gold. Uh, you know, the gold price is on the television every night. People understand. What a quality all grade intercept looks like. They understand what a decent resource looks like. 
So they're reasonably sophisticated. And so when you're listing a company, A, you know, gold is an easy opportunity to market, but also there's a, a significant skills and expertise here in Western Australia. And also for a junior company, if you want to make that transition from explorer to developer producer, um, you know, if you're involved in bulk commodities, you are talking about big checks that need to be written in order to build the infrastructure, build the plant and commission these uh, projects. Gold itself, you know, you can start small with gold. And in terms of you know getting it to market, at the end of the day, you pour a gold bar on site, you put it in a bag and you fly it to the Perth Mint. So it's it's a great commodity for companies like ours to, 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 to IPO with and and to and to start with but also we've got a sophisticated investor base here in australia that understands that commodity so when we first listed obviously you know gold was important and so was lithium and in the last two years we have had a substantial move in terms of investor sophistication with respect to the lithium market so here we are now playing in two commodities that investors really understand but gold particularly has always been an important part of the mix for us we've got Good people, you know, on the board in terms of uh, you know, Brenton Sigs. Brenton's uh, you know got a sort of thirty-year career here in gold exploration in Western Australia, and uh, Jeff Willett's our exploration manager. Jeff's been in, been involved in gold for most of his career, so it made sense for us to focus our uh, our work on gold projects as well as lithium. But we listed the company with uh, with Four Mile Well. And interestingly, what we've done since our, that first tenement application is, is we've applied for two more to the north of it. So as we've done our work on our original tenement, we didn't find enough that really excited us. But as we went further north, the geology got more and more interesting. So subsequent to that initial work, we've applied for two further tenements to the north. And it's this last tenement that's been granted at the very north of our prospect area that we like the most. So we've got an air core program going in there in February probably a couple of thousand meters of air core. And that will really, it's going to be a pretty binary outcome, Rob. And that's what we like in our business. We like a binary outcome. If that if that delivers good air core gold results, then we will look to put an RC program on it. If it doesn't, then we're pretty brutal about these things. We'll move on and form our well will become redundant and we will focus our efforts on, on, um, on Southern Cross. Now, as a business like ours, you continue doing exploration. You have some good results and you have some not good results. And you've got to be pretty commercial about what you're seeing. If it isn't delivering good results, there has to be a technical reason for that. And then you've got to make a decision. And sometimes you get the decision right. And as we've seen many times, companies often get the decision wrong. Um, and sometimes it's the third or the fourth or the fifth explorer when this ground has been cast aside that actually makes the discovery. But it'd be pretty binary outcome for us if that northern tenement at Four Mile Well doesn't deliver in the next Orco or Air Corps program, we will put that aside. But you've always got to have new projects in the pipeline. You can't just sit back. And we like to generate stuff internally. We like to pick up projects. We like to make those applications. It's very, very low cost. You know, and that's what we like to do. We don't like to give out lots of shares uh, on the basis of the work that somebody else has done and diluting the opportunities for our shareholders. We like to do that good, solid technical work, make applications at very, very low cost. And that's what happened at Southern Cross. Um, Graham Heard, our geologist, geophysicist, who works with us, he's a consultant. Graham liked this area to the to the northeast of uh, Southern Cross. Again, an area that had been um, that had been misunderstood. There's a little bit of cover there, but what we believe is there is a buried greenstone unit there, and therein lies the opportunities. If you look at WA, there isn't a single bit of mapped greenstone that's available to apply for as a tenement. So you've got to think about. If you want greenstone, you've got to think, well, you've either got to look at stuff that has maybe been misrepresented, it's maybe been mapped and it's been incorrectly mapped, or you've got to use the geophysics in order to find these areas that people haven't recognised yet as being greenstone. And that's what we've got at Southern Cross. So it's completely new. It's completely green fields. The first soil sampling campaign is imminent, and we're pretty excited about that, actually. You know, it's not often that you that you sniff something out that others haven't haven't found yet. And uh, and therein lies an opportunity. I mean, it's completely greenfields. 
So we're looking to develop that, do the soil campaign uh, back end of this month and through February. And then we'll get those results back in March. And then mid-year, we'd be looking to put an air core program on that. And hopefully we'll generate a few interesting gold targets there. And we'll get the air core rig on there. So this year, we've got yeah, quite a significant amount of activity in terms of probably three or four drill programs and spread across gold and lithium. You know, gold, the old traditional, um, people understand it. It's, it's, a, it's a great commodity to have in the portfolio. And of course, we understand what's happening with lithium right now. So we're pretty well balanced. Um, we think we've got the right technical expertise. And we've also got, you know, we've got decent funding we raised last year. So, you know, it's going to be, I think, a pretty exciting year for us, you know, year five. And there's been some great work that's been done, positioned ourselves well, particularly with lithium up at Yule at Nomad. And then, you know, Southern Cross, the, the newbie in the portfolio and um, and that work that we've done up to now at Four Mile Well, we've got that last tenement area that we think is the most prospective area based on the work that we've done up till now, the number of drill programs that we've done. So um, looking pretty good for 2023, Rob. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you're obviously always looking at projects. Um, as a company, have you considered sort of looking at projects outside of Western Australia, whether that's Australia-wide or even um, overseas? Look, we have a philosophy internally of, of of pretty much reviewing anything and everything that people send us. And, and so that means, you know, probably... I'd say 10 to 20% of whatever we've been sent over the past four years has, has, has been overseas or outside WA. Generally speaking, there's a higher risk associated with that. And what we want to do is spend as much of our money in the ground as possible. So if we're duplicating ourselves in another jurisdiction, that could be interstate in, in Australia or it could be internationally, You've got to then have another registered office. You've got to have a legal representative. You've got to have an in-country representative. You've probably got to have a little office. And so you end up duplicating so much. So whilst we've never said we would ignore overseas or uh, other Australian uh, opportunities, we do like being here in WA because it's easy for us to manage. We can be much more cost effective. And hey, let's be honest. WA has pretty much got it all in terms of commodities. And I think there's a great future for the WA mining industry. The next next hundred years is going to be so exciting. I mean, unfortunately, I won't be around to see all of that. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe one of my kids will end up being in the sector and they will ride a continual boom. We have got the right framework here in terms of you know the government framework, in terms of um, how this, the, 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 the sector is regulated. You can come here if you're honest and you want to get a, a business going and you want to go and explore and you want to raise money. I don't think there's any better place to be doing that. And, you know, it's, it's so intertwined within the economy itself. Um, it's it's a day-to-day -day part of what's going on in this part of the world. So in terms of expertise, skills, drilling consultants, the people that you need to advance it. And as I've said before, an educated investor base that when they see an opportunity that is legitimate, they will support you. They will come in and support and they'll stop. There's no doubt about it. So it would have to be a pretty unique and exciting opportunity. I do think that certainly, um, you know, Canada for, for lithium, that's something that we would entertain. Uh, on the lithium side of things, we would consider other jurisdictions, um, but probably not for gold. But we want to keep it simple and we want investors to know that we can manage what we've got. And they would understand that we could manage our assets fairly well in Western Australia and that we've got all the skills and the expertise in order to be able to develop those as we move them forward. So, yes, we would consider it. We do quite like this backyard. It's got plenty of opportunities and it's supported many, many companies. And over the last two or three years, there have been some outstanding exploration successes. There's no doubt about that. We have discovered some world-class ore bodies here over the past two or three years. So for us, you know, we think all the sizzle is here, quite frankly. Yeah. As you're um, closely connected to the Campbell School of Mines, um, in terms of graduates, 
are there still challenges with respect to attracting um, <clears throat> graduate and graduates and people to the industry? Um, and obviously, I suppose you can look at that from a uh, Australian or WA perspective as well as a, a UK perspective. It, it is a challenge. And I think recently at that uh, at that future minerals conference in Saudi, only last week, I think the head of Rio was was lamenting the fact that a lot of the uh, mining schools around the world are closing or they're cutting their courses. You know, in, in Campbell now you cannot do an undergrad course in mining engineering. The Australian sector has has been a very welcome home for a lot of the Campbell graduates over the past 20 years, certainly since I came out here in 99. And, you know, what we're not seeing is we're not seeing people choosing to study mining because it's just not part, people don't see it as part of their day-to-day lives. It's not taught in schools. They're not getting exposure in schools. You know, schools aren't having honest conversations with their students about you know, how we how we can decarbonize the economy. I think what's interesting, Rob, over the past sort of 18 months is that, you know, very rarely has the media talked in positive terms about the mining sector. But over the last 18 months, I've seen, you know, in the UK and UK media and the Australian media, uh, you know, correspondents, journalists, effectively having honest conversations with their readership with respect to the fact that if you want to move away from fossil fuels, we are going to have to mine more of these specialty minerals and the likes of, and the bog standard minerals, you know, the the coppers of the world, the zincs of the world. Um, We're gonna have to mine more minerals in order to be able to legitimately move away from fossil fuels. Now, these journalists are having these honest conversations with their readership. we're now actually starting to educate the layperson with respect to the importance of mining. And that's, we've never had that conversation ever, as far as I'm concerned. And it's good that we're having that conversation now because we do need, it needs to be a gently, gently approach with the general public. And they've got to understand that in time, there may well be a mine in their district because we can't, you know, in first world countries, we can't just say, you know, oh, we'll just do all our, of our mining in Africa or in Asia. I think, you know, security of supply is important. And the EU now is is very focused on how they can develop and mine these minerals within the EU so that, you know, they've got security of supply. And, and it's not just about security of supply of minerals, it's about the security of supply of those expertise who are going to manage those mines, who are going to be out there looking for these minerals. So if these mining schools aren't supported, if we don't try and encourage people to study the earth sciences, we will be in a very sticky position in that we have uh, a, a mining sector that is poor, poorly performing and isn't finding enough of these minerals because we don't have the key expertise in order to be able to develop the mines and find those minerals in the first place. So I think there's an obligation for big companies not only to support the schools and, and they need to identify talent in their own organisations and send them to these schools in order to get the qualifications and in order to enhance their skills and their expertise. But we also need to support the schools themselves. But we also need to educate the general public that there are some great opportunities and great jobs to be had within the sector and that don't be afraid of going to study mining or geology or mineral processing. But also the mining sector requires on, you know, chemical engineers, um, you know, geophysicists, all these key expertise that, can be drawn to the mining sector but we need to support these education institutions there's no doubt about it rob we are in a pretty sticky patch right now and i do worry for the future but what i but what i have seen in the last two or three years is that the few graduates that are coming out there have been some amazing geologists that i've had the opportunity to catch up with yeah when they step off the plane from the uk often you know by virtue of my connections with Camborne. 
I'll reach out to them. They'll reach out to me. And there's been some awesome talent. There really has. You know, it's great to see geos that want to be out in the field. They have a passion for a particular commodity, be it gold or copper or lithium. And they get off that plane at Perth and they are hot to trot and they can't wait to get out in the field, enhance their career, enhance their understanding. So, you know, if we can encourage these kids you know, at an early stage that mining offers really, really exciting careers for them and that there is longevity in those careers. And it's an important career to have because if we're going to decarbonize, we really need to rely on these geologist mining engineers and we need to rely on well-run mining companies that have good quality engineers with them who understand ESG. They understand the environment that, that we need to be respecting the environment. We need to be respecting the communities within which we operate. If we don't educate these kids with respect to ESG, environmental, the social side of things, then you know we're going to really struggle in this industry to be acceptable to the general public and how we can conduct ourselves. So it's really, really important that we support these schools. Yeah, certainly. Um, and concluding, um, what's the outlook for Golden State mining for the remainder of the year? Well, it would, um, it, it, you know, I think it's going to be a pretty positive year. Um, those that are doing good work and getting good exploration outcomes will still find support from the markets and from shareholders. And and luckily, we had a good back end of 2022 last year. So we're well positioned with, you know, three three or four projects that are going to get drill holes in them this year. And that's what investors want. They want companies that are active because if we're active, there's opportunity for news flow. And if you're active, there's opportunity for legitimate discovery. And so naturally, shareholders will be drawn. Shareholders that want exposure to the junior end of the sector will be drawn to those companies that have got good funding, good backing, and that are active throughout this year. And that's certainly what we're planning for this year. You know, we've got great support from our key brokers. Um, Euros Hartley's here in, in Western Australia. We've got a relationship with them that goes back nearly five years. Uh, we've also got a relationship with uh, with Taylor Collison. So that's key important. Um, good supportive shareholders and then a good program of activity. And that's what people want. They want a company that's active, doing good work. And they 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 hang on every every announcement that you make to the stock market. And you hope that one of those is going to deliver that bonds are intercept and, and away you go and life changes. Yep. And lastly, is there anything else you, you'd like to add to give to our global audience? Um, anything anything that's on your mind at the moment that you want to, uh, I suppose, voice? Well, I think that if anybody's listening to this, it means that they've got an interest in our sector. And what I would say is advocate for our sector because we don't have enough people that that are passionately advocating all the benefits that our sector delivers. It obviously has its challenges, but ultimately, you know, our day-to-day -day lives are about what the mining businesses deliver for us. And so if you're listening to this, you understand the sector, you understand the important role it plays in our modern lives and advocate for our sector. If you've got somebody that has an interest in, in geology, geography, rocks, you know, encourage them, encourage them. Tell them that there is a legitimate career and a very rewarding career to be had in this sector. It's so exciting, Rob. You love it, mate. You talk to so many people. You're passionate about it. The podcasts are awesome. We get a massive cross-section of people that you've managed to encourage to come and talk about their lives, talk about their interests, talk about their early stage projects, um, talk about their well-developed mining companies. This is a this is a cracking sector to be involved with. It's got a very, very strong future. We just need people to advocate it and we need to encourage people to come and participate and be be, be part of it. So um, I would encourage people to do that and people can reach out to me anytime. I've always been open to graduates who want advice, who want to come to Australia and they're looking to understand how they best position themselves for a future career. I got some great advice um, from Dennis Thomas many, many years ago when he visited the School of Mines in the late 90s. And I take that advice and I pass it on to people. So if you're out there, if you're thinking about a career in mining or you're a recent graduate, you just reach out on LinkedIn. I 
think I, I get in touch with everybody who reaches out to me and I'm always happy to have a chat and a cup of coffee. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for the uh, kind words. And obviously, this is we've done over 300 episodes now of the podcast. And yeah, this the podcast is really, I suppose, educating the, the mining community as a whole. But that doesn't distract that we can't promote the industry to people outside of the mining industry and obviously to the younger generation as well. Um, I imagine if there's school leavers that are listening can listen to some of these episodes it might just spark their interest to actually learn more about the mining industry and perhaps get into the mining industry so um i encourage any anyone that's listening to these episodes to pass it on to others even outside of the industry and potentially give the access to maybe their children um just so they can listen to or educate them about the mining industry and what an exciting industry it is. I mean, I, I've been in the industry from a recruitment perspective for the past 12 or 13 years, but obviously over the last few years, I've learned so much from doing these podcasts and speaking to various people in various areas of the mining industry um, and what a great industry and, and a great industry is and it's an industry that's needed to for the whole world to evolve. So, um yeah, so no, I appreciate your uh, kind words and um, hopefully the industry will continue to grow um, and improve our branding as an as a image, um, which is obviously always a, a topical point. Um, and yeah, appreciate you, Michael, for, for coming on. No worries, Robert. And I think with all those podcasts you've done, I think you've probably just about earned yourself an MSc in mining, mate. Because uh, <laughs> you know, all, all, all of that, you're you know, you you would have learned a lot in the past few years, and that that's outstanding. So well done. Yeah, thank you. Um, so thank you for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed that episode. And as I mentioned, I appreciate if you can share this episode uh, amongst not just people within the industry, but people obviously outside of the industry and all across the world. Um, Mike, also, I forgot to mention, if anyone wants to reach out to you, if they want to find out more about um, Golden State Mining and your story, how can they go about doing that? And um, obviously, social media platforms, what ones are you on? You obviously, you mentioned you're on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. The company's on LinkedIn. We're on, uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, we've got a little Instagram account and we've got a a few uh, a few half decent videos on on YouTube and as well as a website so uh, plenty of opportunities to find out a bit more about Golden State yeah great and we'll include these in the uh, show notes accompanying this um, and perhaps we'll have a have another recording later this year when you can give us a an update on on what Golden State have been up to uh, towards the end of the year that'd be great thanks Rob yeah no worries thank you for listening appreciate your continued support and until next time happy mining thank you for listening remember to reach out to rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review until next time happy mining helping each other to improve the mining industry